jump start off in John 10 or Matthew 6 and lots of places uh, this morning. But first, John Isaac Newton, I'm sorry, not no, Isaac Newton, different, different songwriter. Isaac Watts, and he wrote a lot of songs, a lot of hymns, a lot of things like that. But he wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. And then through the years it's been incorporated into songs around December. But it was not intended to write, uh, to be there. Is actually written more about his second coming than it was his first coming, and uh, and he and as I was uh, based on this and based on this, you'll see where I'm going in a minute, maybe hopefully, and hopefully it goes there. But uh, a lot of it was taken out of Psalm uh, 98, of course, Luke chapter two as well. Uh, but a lot of this song was based out of Psalm 98, um, and like I said, uh, once the um, you know, the writer here uh, basing more of his thoughts and along the lines of his second coming than his first, although we should be joyful that he come the first time. And there's where I'm kind of going this morning with my message of some of the reasons he did come to the earth, but he is coming again. He come, he left, and he's coming again, and, uh, and we're to be ready for that second coming. But uh, so joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's his first come. But then... Uh, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. It's talking about, uh, you know, as a Savior. He is at the right-hand side of the Father. He is reigning. And He will reign in the future. And, of course, uh, uh, let men their songs employ. Um, and then, joy, uh, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. And that's a future kingdom that He's referring to. He comes to make His blessings flow far as... The curse is found. Brother Glenn mentioned blessings there in his discourse there in the Sunday School Hour. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. But joy to the world, the Lord is C-O-M-E, come. And, of course, I know around the and this is one written for... Uh, the holiday season. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come, ye to Bethlehem. He says, Oh, come, let us adore him there in the chorus of that. And so the word come gives the connotation of, uh, you know, moving forward to something and or it can be an invitation too. I can ask you to come with me um, and uh, you can ask me to come and I would, I would come. And so there's a uh, there is that, uh, that connotation. Again, going back, and it was amazing how the Lord lined up the devotional and the Sunday school hour, I thought, uh, this morning when uh, Brother Chris started off with that, that prodigal son, as we call him, the, the lost son, uh, there in Luke 15. He had come to the end of himself. And then he said, I will go to my father. And he went. And so he made the decision there. And, and he, he went to the father there. And, and um, I read a little... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that somebody had had a thought there out of that same te- text of scripture, both 
all three, uh, all three of the uh, accounts in uh, Luke 15, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son and uh, the, the little thought, and it was rich, I've been thinking about it, you know, on it through the week uh, in the fact that um, when the shepherd came with the sheep that was lost and he came rejoicing and then the woman who found the coin rejoiced and then the father rejoiced and said you know let's you know my uh, my son who was dead you know who was lost is now found who was dead and, and and whatever and and, he, and so the when the older brother come to to the house he heard the merriment and the and the uh, and the rejoicing there about the the younger brother coming to the house it said he didn't see when he seen the younger son he had already seen him after he seen him after that the robe of the ro- the father's robe was put upon him, you know he didn't see him in the mess that he had gotten himself into, and uh, and the same with the sheep, you know as he as the shepherd come back the lone shepherd come back with the sheep, everyone around you know that was uh, invited to come and rejoice for the one sheep that was lost was found didn't see this the 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 problem they didn't see the the environment and the mess that the sheep had gotten into. They only seen the sheep on the other side of the mess. And they only seen the sun on the other side of the mess. They only seen the coin on the other side of the mess, not in the dirt that the woman found it in because she swept and she found the, the coin that had obviously dropped to the floor and was in a, a dark area and a dirty area. See, we, and so, so the, the thought that, that this person put out, and I thought it was a good thought that you know, oftentimes, and I know Brother Glenn made reference to Brother uh, Chris in the Sunday school hour. You know, oftentimes we, uh, we remember the dirt. We look, for, we look for the filth, the stench that may still be on the sun, although... We're seeing him in the robe that's been put upon him. We have a tendency as humans to remember the past and to dwell upon the past instead of focus on where the person is at that particular time in salvation, the sheep, the coin, and the son. And like I said, I've been just musing upon that, you know, through the, through the week, uh, good thought there, and just examining myself. Make sure that I'm not guilty of that. And just to dwell upon the fact that the, the, the sheep was found, the, the coin was found, and the son came to the end of himself and was found, if you want to put it that way. And, uh, and, and what we have as that sheep, as that coin, as that uh, son, what, we were all in that same condition. We were that lost sheep. We were that lost coin. We were that lost son. And the rejoicing of those that, that found each of these, if you want to put it that way, the rejoicing of those and how that we ought to rejoice likewise uh, in the sinner that comes to salvation. But Psalm 98 there again, making a joyful noise, verse number 4, unto the Lord all the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise, sing unto the Lord with harp, with a harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. 
And uh, so, verse number 9, Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Equity is, that stood out to me today, because equity is is a word that they're trying to replace with equality. And, um, and it's a big uh, catch word in some circles these days. But, but he is going to judge the, uh, the world and, uh, and the people with equity. It's not going to be, we're all going to be on the same level ground when it comes to the judgment. And we're going to be judged according to our works, but we're going to be judged according to this book. And everybody has the opportunity to line up with this book. Anyway, so uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, because this is his words, I am come that they might have life and, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Oftentimes, I have referenced that scripture in the fact in, in light. In fact, I have the, I seen where I, uh, the outline, if you will, the, the study, the, the message on paper that I had preached out of that about revival because like Brother Marion Agassin, it's again somebody else's thought, but it's one of those that has just stuck with me through the years. And he asked his church, he read that, this verse of scripture and he asked his church what side of the... He read it this way though. I am come that they might have life, comma, and that they might have it more abundantly. And he, he, he preached this he, at Island Ford. It's just again one of those messages. And uh, Brother Agustin gone on to be with the Lord now. But um, he, he said he asked his church and he asked Island Ford as well of what side of the comma are they living on? Are they just happy with having eternal life or are they looking for the abundant life that we can have in him? You know, and, and that is, like I said, just has stuck with me through the years and oftentimes I preach on that side of the comma, the second side of the comma, versus the first side of the comma. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. And that is one of the reasons he comes. So he's, and my, my, if a title put it on the ears, I just put this here. I put uh, trying to come up with whatever. Jesus come once before, and he's coming again. And so that's a title today, if you want to put a title on it, uh, there uh, on the message. He's, he's, uh, Jesus come once before, and he's coming again. We're going to look at that and the reason that he come once, what he did when he came the first time, and uh, then the fact that he is coming again a second time, and how that we ought to be ready for that second coming. I'm not going to go there. We have gone there in the past when the... Um, when the, the, the virgins, had the wise virgins and the foolish virgins, the wise virgins had oil in their lamps. They were ready for the coming of the, of the bridegroom. The foolish virgins was not, re, was not ready. And while they were gone, then that's when the bridegroom come. And then they came back and the door was shut. There was no entering in at the time. And they knocked and they knocked and they knocked. And they were turned away. And that's the way it'll be with the Lord's second coming. He's going to come and he's going to get those that are ready for his second coming. And if you're left here that you're unready, you will be left and you will be denied the entrance into that great marriage supper, if you want to put it that way. But let's pray and then we'll get on to, to the rest of these scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, uh, Lord, for coming the first time. Lord, to give us life. 
And I thank you, Lord, that in Jesus Christ we do find eternal life. And, uh, Lord, but as a child of God, I thank you like the, the, the son that was mentioned already in Luke 15 when he, when he came back to, when he went back to his father's house after coming to himself. And he understood and was, realized, and was um, ready to be a servant. But, Lord, he was recognized as a son. And the Lord, he didn't just have the bread of the servants, but he had the fatted calf and all that come with being a son, that more abundant life. And Lord, we, we look for the abundant life that's found in you. Lord, it's not a wealth and prosperity message, but uh, Lord, we understand and know that we are blessed, as it's already been said this morning, in the sonship of Christ. And I thank you and praise you for that. I pray, Lord, for those that don't know you, Lord, maybe they're still in the hog pen. And I pray that you would just show them they're, they're standing before God. And I pray that you bid them come as you bid me come as a 14-year-old boy back many, many years ago. I ask and pray that, uh, Lord, they'll respond to your bidding. And, Lord, I pray for the children of God that find ourselves uh, burdened uh, and burdened down. We, we also know that you bid us come. Uh, and we can cast our cares upon you, Lord, because the Bible tells us that you care for us. And Lord, help us to, to come to you with our burdens and our troubles and our trials. And I pray that uh, that, that, will be, uh, that will be addressed this morning as well. We ask and pray that the Holy Spirit of God will do a work in hearts. We pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen and amen. And it was interesting that, uh, that Chris uh, talked about Matthew being his favorite of the Gospels to read in. And I've taken most of my texts out of Matthew. There are some that I've strayed away from just to kind of catch, uh, catch a little extra. But there are so many. If you just look up uh, the word, you know, C-O-M-E, come, um, then there's, and we didn't mention the one in John, but Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and again, looking for, looking the reason that Christ came the first time. In John 10, 10, he said, I come that they might have life. And it's already been addressed in the Sunday school hour, brother, um, Brother Glenn uh, mentioned uh, John chapter th uh, 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I have come that they might have life. That was the reason for him to come the first time. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We are, some of you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And he come the first time to give you life. And how did he do that? He come to give you life through his death. I know it's hard to understand, but that is, that is the gospel message. And we're going to see it hopefully here in a minute. But uh, John chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. And we're just going to see reasons that Christ came the first time. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am, come, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. He came not to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Yeah. And he came as God. He's 100% God and 100% man. But he came as man, Emmanuel, uh, which being interpreted is God with us. So God became man to fulfill the law because he knew that mankind could not. The law was demanding. 
the law, I mean, they had, uh, you know, they had to, to do certain things on a daily basis. They had to do certain things on a, an annual basis. They were feasts that they had, to, they had to attend. And they were sacrifices that they had to make. But the blood uh, of goats and bulls didn't satisfy God the Father. It it appeased him for a time until Jesus Christ himself come. And then by fulfilling the law, because mankind here on this earth could not keep the law, but Jesus Christ, every jot and tittle, kept the law, all of it. He fulfilled the law so that our righteousness is only found in him because it was by his blood and it was by his life that we are justified. And it's our faith in his blood and his sacrifice and his faith in his life and his fulfillment of the law and the understanding and knowing that we can't in ourselves fulfill the law, but only Jesus Christ did and can, and it's only through him that we are justified, then we understand the reason that he came the first time. He came that we might have life. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a minute. But he came that he might fulfill the law. Matthew chapter 9. Just going to go right through a little bit. There may be a time or two we, we have to go back and forth. But Matthew chapter 9. And this has already been alluded to here. Uh, let's go back to verse number 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. I'm glad he's a friend of sinners. Publicans and sinners, he sat down with him. He was willing to sit down with publicans and with sinners. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Go, but go ye and learn that what that meaneth. I, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. I say that was the problem with the Pharisees. They thought that they were righteous. They thought that they were keeping the law. In fact. They were so self-righteous because it was, I mean, they were so righteous in their own eyes, they become self-righteous in the fact that there was extra laws added to the law. Of what they thought that the people should do in their religion. And he said, I, I can't, I can't. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He come for sinners. He sat down with sinners. Because the righteous was not the righteous in their own eyes, let's put it that way, the self-righteous, were not going to hear him. But he knew the public and sinners would. Matthew chapter 18. Again, the same, the same premise here. We've already alluded to already with uh, might have life. He come to call the sinners to repentance. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 10, Take heed 
that you despise not one of these little ones. Again, they, they brought the little children. He said, suffer the little children and come unto me. Because the disciple says, no, no, no. And so many times we, I think, fall into that. You know, we think that we have a, what's the word on the board? Um, a private relationship with Christ. And we want nothing to interfere with that private uh, whatever relationship. That's not the word I'm looking for, but you got to get the idea. And like the disciples, you know, when the blind man, they were, they were on the side of the road crying out unto the Lord, Jesus, Jesus. And then they tried to steal him. But he bid them come. And then they, 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 they was bringing the little children to him. And, they, and, they're like, and the disciples are like, no, 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 he's, he's too busy. He's too, he, ain't got, he ain't got no time for that. But he bid them come. Suffer the little children to come. I mean, and, and, and we have this, well, man oftentimes, his disciples being the examples, oftentimes feel that, you know, what we have in Christ is only for us. But he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He did that to his disciples. The same disciples he gave that commission to was the same disciples that oftentimes said, he doesn't want to hear from you. <laughs> He doesn't want to see you. Keep them people away from our Lord. That our Lord was not that way. Amen. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save. That which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that, uh, that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Again, that goes back to Matthew 9, 13. He come not... Uh, uh, I come not, I come not, I am not come, there we go, to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The, the 90 and 9 that are safe in the fold, that's not his, he's not as concerned about them because they're safe in the fold. But he is concerned about that one that's out in, in harm's way. That one that's out in the hog pen as, as I've been referred to today. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about you, and he came to save you. That which was he came to save that which was lost. But again, we got to find ourselves lost first. John Newton, I get to write one there now, wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So John Newton understood that he was wretched. He was a wretch and he was a sinner. And he wrote that, that first phrase, 
Just, he came to say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We have to see ourselves wretched. We have to see ourselves lost. We have to see ourselves blind. And when we get to the place of wretchedness, like Luke 15, when we get to the place of being lost like the coin or the sheep, then something can be done. Because then we look to the Savior. We look to the only one that can save. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course he says here, I come to save there in 1811. And again, I'm just going to jump over here real quick to one verse in Luke 19, 10. He's talking about Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He told Zacchaeus that, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I must needs, paraphrase, to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus come down. They went to Zacchaeus' house. But he said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not just to save, like Matthew 18, 11. He's not only come to save, which he is. I mean, that is one of the reasons he came, but he came to seek. And it's already been mentioned in Sunday school. If you're seeking him, he's seeking you. And our invitation here week after week after week is to seek him. Because he's seeking you. And he wants to save you. And again, going back, I know we was in Matthew 18, going back to Matthew 10. This is kind of an interesting one. Because this is kind of where we're having to, and this is the reason he come. Or Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. So in Matthew 9, he come to call the sinners to repentance. And if you'll confess him, so repentance and confession, we see that in Romans. All through there when it comes to salvation. You know, it's, it's, it's some people... Uh, Make salvation hard. It was brought very simple there in the Sunday school hour, and I appreciated how that that is. But oftentimes, it's it's not in a prayer, and it's not. He mentioned one, two, three. It's not in somebody leading you. It's you coming to the realization that I'm lost and I need a savior. That I am in the hog pen, and I I'm willing to be a servant in the Father's house. But when you go, He'll make you a son. Woo! He'll give you life but he'll give you more abundant life. Bread that the lost son was looking for would have given him life. He was starving to death. He was eating, ready to eat the pig slop, the husks, because he was hungry and would have died if he don't, you don't eat, you don't, you don't live. But he was seeking bread. That's that life. He was seeking, the, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He was seeking something that would just give him life. And Jesus tells him, I am come that ye might have life. I'm the bread of life. But it goes beyond the comma. 
beyond the bread. The son said, I'm just seeking bread. I'll be a servant for the bread's sake, for the life's sake. But the father said, oh, no, I'm going to give you more than life. I'm going to give you that abundant life. I'm going to give you a robe to cover up the filth. And it's my robe of righteousness that I will look at. I'm going to give you a ring. I'm going to give you shoes. We're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to rejoice. Again, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come, there's our word, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. He explains that in the next verse. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall they be or shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me He that findeth his life shall lose it. And you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Until we make application and understand it's already already there. But he he didn't find, the, the son didn't find any life until he came to the end of himself, until he lost his position in his mind, I am not a son anymore. I'm nothing. I am, I'm, I'm dead in my trespasses. I'm, if I stay here, I, death is sure because I have no bread. So once he lost his life in coming to the end of himself, then he obtained life. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. This part about the variance. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and his daughter against her mother and her daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of their own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I'm going to pick on, I'm going to use them again because they were both saved since I've been here. But when Jennifer was being dealt with over that three or four week period of time, she said she couldn't sleep. The morning that she came forward, did you have any kind of thought about what would Papa say? Or what would Daddy say? Or what would husband say? No, he, she got to the point where none of what they thought mattered. And oftentimes, that keeps sinners from coming. It does. She had made a profession, what, as a teenager? As a teenager, you know, and so, you know, as far as Grandpa and Dad knew, based on that profession, she was saved. In fact, when I come to church, 
that's the way it was, you know, as they was telling me about who all, you know, I've been inviting them to come. And she made a profession, you know, she says she's saved, but I've been praying for my son-in-law. So that's what I heard. Now, if she had a said, and oftentimes the devil will use this, the Holy Spirit is pulling you, the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what the gospel, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm lost. You're lost. The Holy Spirit is saying, you can be found. The Holy Spirit is saying, you're in the hog pen. And you're saying, yes, I'm in the hog pen. But the devil will jump on his shoulder and say, well, what, is, what will so-and-so say? If I go forward and, 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 and accept Christ as my Savior, putting my faith in his shed blood and his resurrection, again, it's already been referred to, that he came, uh, let me just read it. I have it marked, quoted often, but it's not coming right now. There we go. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Here's the gospel message. How that Christ died for our sins. You understand that you're a sinner. And you understand that he is a sacrifice for your sin. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. So you believe that Christ is, has come to save you from your sins, you realize that you're a sinner, you realize that he got up, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he rose again. And you've got faith in all that, but the devil will say, you know, if you come forward today, then daddy and grandpa, they're just going to be just all down on you. Your husband is going to be all down on you. I thought you were saved this whole time. And that's what the devil will tell you. But don't listen to the devil. He's saying, look, there is a separation there. And there have been, and I know people in the Catholic religion, there are people that we know that once saved, there is a variance between father and mother and brother and sister. They'll cut you off. She could testify of that. You're too religious. You're crazy in that newfound religion. And you are worried about what somebody else will say instead of just chunking it out the door and say, I don't care what other people say. I don't care about those relationships because I understand and know that a relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship that I can have. Because my relationship with Jesus Christ is the relationship that will give me eternal life. And without that relationship, I'm going to go be lost in my sin and die and go to hell. And we'll let, we'll let what husband, wife, mother, daughter, sister, brother, boyfriend, girlfriend, we'll let those relationships get in between us and the relationship with Christ. Don't let that happen. Amen. Well, if I do that, then I'll have to stop. That's, that's another one the devil will use. I'll have to stop this. I'll have to go there. I'll have to do this. I'll have to do that. It's not a matter of 
what you have to stop, what you have to start, what you have to do, what you have to don't do. It's a matter of that relationship. Faith in Jesus Christ alone gets you that eternal life. Once you have that, then you have that life more abundantly. You have life, and an abundant life is available. Then also to the point where you become a new creature. Old things, the Bible tells us, are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There are some desires. Your desires will be changed. You will seek to please him because he saved you. You will seek to please him because he gave his life for you. He shed his blood and died for you. And you are so thankful for that. And you feel so, you feel obligated to him. Not that your works are going to do anything, but you just have a desire to please him then that he puts in you. And in doing that, then he's, he will change your desires and he'll change your want-tos. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Not that you can't go there, not that you can't do that. You just realize the, the price that was paid for, to, for you to be saved. And when you realize the price that was paid for you to be saved, then that puts something in you that you just say, I can't do that. That would displease my Lord. Just like Joseph when Potiphar's wife was saying, come and lie with me. <laughs> she had a hold of his coat and he left his coat behind. He said, nope. Not only would it be a sin against my master, your husband, but it would be a sin against my God. I can't do that. So he came, there's a, he said, man, at variance. So we have to get beyond. And sometimes and there are people and there are places in this world, the Jewish religion, the, you know, the Catholic religion, those I've been talking about, and those, not just those that just say I'm Catholic, but I'm talking about those that are steep, dead fast. I mean, they go through all the catechisms, the whole nine yards, and just staunch in that religion, staunch in the Orthodox Jewish religion. And for a man to become a Christian or a woman to become a Christian, you have to say in your heart, I can't go that way anymore. Regardless of what mom and dad, brother, sister, all those people that he just dealt with in that scripture says. And oftentimes people that will go and, and accept Christ and become a Christian, they are cut out of the wheel. They are shunned. They are in the minds of their family members. They are counted as dead. I mean, to the point of there's been... Stories about people being written out of the wheels and things. I think there was a man named Borden. Hmm. Where have I seen that word? Oh, the dairy. One of the Borden men come to Christ. And instead of following after the family business, if I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. I've heard a little story along the lines. He gave him, and he went into the ministry versus going into the dairy business. At variance. And they couldn't understand why he would leave all this for that. 
because of that variance that he came, that Christ came, not to give peace, not to send peace on earth, but to, to set a man variance. Set a man at variance against. Because he, he, he sums it all up there. He that loveth his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Not that you can't continue to love your father or mother, but you realize that he is the most important thing in your life when it comes to eternal things. And you're willing to say no other relationship matters except my relationship with Christ. And oftentimes, when you get a relationship with Christ and you get a relationship with Christ as a couple, then that brings you even closer to a relationship with each other. Because you have that same mindset about serving the Lord and you seek Him in your relationship. And there have been stories where one comes to the Lord and the other says, nope, not for me. And you have to say, okay, I'm going God's way. And God will bless you. And he says pretty much the same thing in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. He's talking to his disciples here about going to the cross, which is kind of where... Brother Glenn was at in our Sunday school time. Verse Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Now, it doesn't use the word C-O-M-E. But that's implied. I came to do this. I came to die. He uses the word come in verse number 24. Talking about men coming to him. But he gives this, this implication in verse number 21 that he came to do this. And he starts telling his disciples, but his disciples didn't get it. Because we read in verse number 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Then, uh, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Again, there's where men fail oftentimes in the things that we, uh, he just the word savor there. You know, the Lord is not interested in you, the blind man over here. We're his disciples, you just be quiet. The Lord is not interested in you little kids over here. You know, don't, just, just don't bother him. No, no, that's because we savor things of men. We look upon things differently than God looks upon them. And surely, Lord, surely you're to go. We got a kingdom to establish, Lord. You can't go to the cross and die. That'll, that'll throw everything that we're planning on in ruins. Because he savored things differently than he, he didn't know of, understand the gospel. He didn't understand that he had to come. This was one of the reasons that he came To die. Because it was through his death 
that life, everlasting life, could take place. It was through his death that abundant life could take place. It was through his death that the kingdom could be established. That kingdom that he mentioned last week, <laughs> there in John chapter uh, 18. So Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And he turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus to his disciples, He done rebuke Peter, he's turning to the rest of them, so he said to his disciples, If any man come after me. Now, we, up to this point, we've been talking about the reason he come to us. Now we're talking about us coming to him. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So deny himself. And then he also, we've done mention, loveth not his father or mother. If you do that, he that loveth the son, he that taketh up his cross and followeth me, is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall shall save it. Again, verse number 25 of Matthew 16, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works, Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death shall, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he just said, I've got to go die. But then he says, I'm coming. I'm coming to set up my kingdom, but I've got to go die first. And that didn't make any sense to the disciples. So he came once to do all these things, but he's coming again to set up his kingdom on this earth. For a thousand years. <coughs> Shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. But he talks about man coming to him, two different places, Matthew 10 and Matthew 16, that if you come to him, you're going to have to lose your life. If he findeth his life, he, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Again, started off today in our in our devotion, carried on to the Sunday school hour. <laughs> he came to the end of himself. He said, I am gonna die here because I have no bread. I have I have wasted my substance in this far land, riotous living. I've lived it up. I had the fun. I went the way of the world. It was fun while it lasted. But here I am at the hog bin, dying because I am hungry. Then he says, ah, I know, there's bread. Bread will feed me. Bread will sustain me. Bread will give me life. But Jesus Christ 
not the physical bread, but the spiritual bread that you have to take. And you'll have that life. And then in that life, eternal life that you have, then you will have an abundant life as well as his son, just like is portrayed there in John 15, I mean Luke 15. So Matthew 11, going back again, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he bids you come. He says, I am come for these reasons, and now I bid you come if, you're, if you are weak and heavy laden. All you that labor, I'm sorry, and are heavy laden. And that applies to the, to the sinner and also applies to the saints. Oftentimes, we get burdened down in our labors, and we get our eyes off the Lord. We see that as he bid Peter to come to walk on the water, Matthew chapter 14, and straightway spake Jesus unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter said, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. If thou be, bid me come. And Jesus said, Come, I'm him. So he bids you to come. Unto him, if, you're la- if, you're, if you labor and are heavy laden as a sinner, laden down with your sins and under the burden of sin, he bids you come unto him to find rest in salvation. But as a child of God, he also bids us to come when we are, when we, like Peter, get our eyes on the waves and the winds and the storms of this world and we get burdened down again. He bids us to come and find then the rest in him as well. He bids you come for that uh, fellowship. He bids you come for the favor. You want to put it that way if we needed an alliteration outline. Fellowship and favor. We see that also in... John chapter 21, again, they got their eyes back on the world. They went fishing again. Peter said, I go fishing. The other said, we'll go with you. We sing that song. The Lord's not with us now. Things seem just dark. Let's let's just go back to our our old ways of doing things. Let's go back to our old job. Let's go fishing. That's what we, that's what we did. Peter said unto them, Bring, or Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of his and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing? that it was of the Lord. Oftentimes we get sidetracked like the disciples. 
and he bids us come back. I've got bread and fish on the fire. I've got what you need in this fellowship. You've gone astray a little bit, going back to the old ways of doing things. But I have a desire to you to have that fellowship. Oftentimes we think of the table as a time of fellowship where we break bread together. Not talking about the fellowship around the, the Lord's table, although that is a time of communion as well with the Lord in remembrance of his body and his blood that was shed. But if you come to my table and we sit around the table, it's a time of fellowship. We can learn of each other. Come unto me. Come and dine. Is there a fellowship talking to the child of God? Is we, have we gotten sidetracked where our fellowship is not what it ought to be? He says, come. Come to me out of the boat. Come to me and dine over here on the seashore. I've got some, I've got some time that I'm willing to give you. I've got some presents and some blessings that I'm willing to share with you. So we can, as a child of God, benefit from his bidding as well. Then he, um, yeah, he's preparing a great marriage supper. And we see in Matthew chapter 22 how he sent people to go out and to bring people in. And they just would not. He bid them to come and bid them to come. And he, he, I'm just going to read this because he's coming again. Verse Matthew 22, 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and other to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in thither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king, then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There, uh, Cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So all through here, they bid the, the servants, I mean, they bid, I'm sorry, they bid folks to come to the marriage supper, uh, and they just would not come. And then finally they went out, and those that were able to come, those that, that furnished the wedding with guests, had the, the wedding garment on. And that wedding garment is just like the garment that the, that the father put on the son. In Luke 15, we keep going back to that. Maybe there's a son, there's a Luke 15 son here. I don't know. 
But the wedding, the robe that covered up the stench and covered up the stench of the hog pen, covered up the filth of the hog pen, the robe of the Father was put upon the Son and He's put upon you as a wedding guest. And you would, you know, that you come in and you're prepared for the wedding because you have the robe of His righteousness upon you that's obtained through salvation. And, what's, and so... Matthew 24, 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now, he's come once for all those things that we talked about. He bids you come, and he's coming again. I guess we could throw that in the middle of the title. He bids you come, and he is coming again. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. For know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what, in what watch the thief would come... He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He's coming again. And he's, on, and he's coming, and he's coming for those that are ready, those that have the, the wedding garments on. And that's the righteousness, uh, the robe of righteousness found uh, in the uh, shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then... What prompted me really to these scriptures here was when we referenced Revelation 22 last week. Yeah. And three times there, talking about the Lord's coming. Verse number 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse number 12 of Revelation 22, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to uh, as his work shall be. So two Two times uh, there, it says, And I, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So two times he says, I come quickly. And then the third time he says, Surely I come quickly. In verse number 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then John the, Revela John the Revelator, as he's known, or John the penman of the Revelation, after, after the word amen says, Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. Three times. I come quickly, I come quickly, surely. I come quickly. And John says, Even so, Lord, come. So we as the saints of God are looking forward to that marriage feast. We're looking forward to eternal blessings that's found in Him. That abundant life that's found in Him, we could go on and on and on in the analogies, and you know the the promised land, everything that's been kind of spoken to in the Old Testament of the children of God reaching the promised land, and that's been attributed to the future of our blessings in Christ, not of this world, but in the worlds to come. But you're only going to get there if you have, as it's as we read, if you have lost yourself, lost your life. Come to the end of yourself and lost your life. Lose your life for his sake. If you put your faith in the fact that he died for our sins, according to the scriptures, to do that, not only that he died, that was the sacrifice that was paid, but it was for our sins that you're a sinner. So when you come to that realization, I'm a sinner and he died for my sins. According to the scriptures, according to what that book said, and he was buried and he raised again the third day. And then if we read of his ascension where he was carried up into the clouds and the two men stood by and told his disciples as he went up, 
He's coming again. He's going to come again in the clouds. And when he comes again, he's going to call his own to him. And then a future kingdom will be set up and we'll be a part of that. But that's only those that have lost themselves here, realize they're a sinner here, put away father and mother and all the relationships and says, you're the only relationship that counts in my life. And I'm willing to set everything aside regardless of anybody, anything, think, anybody, anything anybody thinks. There we go. And I'm coming to you today, Lord. As he bids you come, I bid you come as we have a song of invitation. Then we pray that you will come and that you will be saved. Today, if you are heavy laden and burdened as a child of God, you can come and cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. While we sing.